0: It's time for JT the Brick. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Back right for Branch, the saver in the end zone. Branch cat, Shut down Raiders! Coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do, you, how do you even know who your guy is? The guy was just a nightmare to cover. He said it verbally. You're not going to cover me. You either have it or you don't have it. Well, Cliff had it. JT the Bragg. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. If that guy was playing today, he would blow the top off the record book. Talked about the big, bad Raiders. And here we had a hide. We had a parade cliff branch out there. was 155 pounds. He's an Hall of Family. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick.
1: Well, it is not JT the Brick today. It's Eddie Pascal here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Studio, joined by my guy Jesse Merrick from News Three here in the desert. And first of all, thank you to JT the Brick for letting us come hang out and keep the uh, keep the ship afloat for the afternoon. And with Jesse, we're gonna have a lot of fun today, man. We got called in from the bench. They said, "Hey, can you guys do it? Can you keep everything afloat?" And I think we're gonna do it. But I'm excited, man. We'll have a lot of fun today.
0: Yeah, me too, man. I mean, look, you know, we got camp coming up soon. We're gonna dive into it, start talking some Raiders football. You know, it's always a good day. We can hop on the air, chop it up with Raider Nation. So I'm really looking forward to
1: yes it will be a blast and speaking of Raider Nation getting involved in the mix if you guys want to come hang out with us the number is 702-365-9200 you're going to talk to our guy Bobby on the other side of the uh, other side of the mic there and he'll make sure that you get on with Jesse and I but Jesse you and I have talked a lot about the big stories throughout the offseason right we've talked a lot about Devontae Adams we've talked a lot about Chandler Jones we've talked a lot about what to expect from Max and that's great and everyone's talked about it. So today, as we get through the next two hours, we are going to talk about the underrated things, the underrated storylines for your 2022, excuse me, 2022 Las Vegas Raiders set to take in uh, set to start camp in just a few days. So we're going to do it all. We're going to talk about the underrated storylines, players to keep an eye on, and we're also going to sprinkle in, a little, in a, a little Las Vegas magic. Our guy Jason Dumas, friend of the program, who is out here for summer league, yep. is going to join us at 1:30. Can't wait to hear from him then. Uh, and then we're also going to talk a little aces. We're going to talk. About it all, we're going to have a lot of fun, but we got to start here, right? We're on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. So we got to start talking Raiders uh, training camp in less than a week. Now the rookies report on Monday, the vets report two days later, and when we talk about underrated storylines, when we talk about hey, what about this team is kind of flying under the radar? What stands out for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that jump out. You know, we hear everyone, like you mentioned, talking about, you know, Devontae Adams. You know, we hear him talking about the D-line in terms of Max and um, uh, also, you know, uh, bringing Chandler Jones into the fold. You know, for me, I think, you know, what a lot of people are talking about are some of the weaknesses on this team, but I think they're underrating how valuable a guy like Alex Leatherwood could be if he takes that big jump next year. To me, that I think is an uh, uh, undervalued storyline because, you hear nationally people say, you know, oh, this this Raiders O-line sucks. And, you know for lack of a better word, that's kind of what they're saying about it. But I think if Leatherwood can come in and be a serviceable player, this O line is gonna be a difference maker for this team. And and that's one thing that I think a lot of people aren't talking about.
1: Yeah, and, and you and I have talked about it a lot too, where one thing that is not missing from young Mr. Leatherwood's game is talent. He's an immensely talented dude. He was a first-round pick for a reason. Yeah. Now, was his rookie season a, a complete 10 out of 10 perfect you know, slam dunk? Absolutely not. But yeah. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of rookies, especially in his position, guys that were asked to do a lot of things that are going to deliver that perfect season. right? So I think that you look at Alex and you look at what he did do in his rookie season, and he got a lot of reps. Right? He learned a lot. He played a lot of football. And yes, I know he played in the SEC. Yes, I know that he was at one of the best programs in college football. But there is a difference, Jesse Mary, from playing against really, really good dudes on Saturday to playing against the best in the world on Sunday.
0: Yeah, it's a huge difference. I mean, and also at that, too, looking and coming in trying to learn two different offenses, you know, or, or two different positions along the offensive line. It's not easy. You know, Ziegler talked about it ahead of the draft that the O line is a developmental position. So, You know, yeah, there's guys that come in out of the draft and are, you know, killer players, Pro Bowl players, all pro type players their first year, but those are few and far between. Let's not confuse the fact that that's not common for the NFL. That is not, you know, the rule. So I think a guy like him coming into his second season, I believe Colton Miller said he kind of dropped some weight down as well. He's a little leaner, he's been working on his hands. Obviously, cut down some of the penalties, you know. And again, I think if he's able to lock down that right side, that opens a lot of things for this offensive line. Not to mention, he got Good coming back, who I think is much better than a lot of people giving credit for.
1: And I'm glad you brought up Denzel because when I think of underrated or stories that we're not paying enough attention to, the return of Denzel Good yeah. is is a big part of that. And the offensive line, I think, has been a story that maybe we've talked about a little too much, right? But I think if you look at, you kind of break it down a little bit from there. The return of Denzel Good isn't something we've talked about enough, mm-hmm. right? And and I understand that your interior linemen are not the the sexiest positions. They're not the you know not, not the thing that drives clicks for, yeah. for lack of a better term, right? But Denzel Good is a good football player, no pun intended. But okay. when you look at what the Raiders are going to going to want to do in twenty twenty two, and they are not, uh, you know, they're not the exception to the rule in this in, in this regard. This offense is going to go as far as, as, excuse me, as far as that offensive line takes them, right? 100%. And if you're building out a good front five, you need to have a good front five, yes, but a good front six, a good front seven, and a good front eight. I mean, let's think, I mean, it, 2020 is not that long ago, Jesse, yeah. where it felt like there was a different starting five offensive linemen every week. And, and when you look back to that and you look back to some of the, you know, we use the, the simple term, hey, is this guy a thumbs up or a thumbs down for the day? A lot of those thumbs-up performances on the offensive line came from Denzel Good. So, yeah, I know we didn't see a whole heck of a lot of him in in 2021, but the fact that he's going to be back, the fact that he brings position versatility, something that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have talked at length about, I mean, this is a guy that if you get get the best version of him, is going to make that entire group better.
0: 100% agree. I mean, I I was going to mention, you know, the versatility factor. That's something we talk about a lot, you know, with this new staff coming in here. And for a guy like Good that has played in multiple positions, massive. And as you said, like, look— we know the O-line's not sexy. It isn't going to get all the headlines and stuff, but look at the rest of this offense, you know. That's the sexy stuff, but it doesn't go unless the O-line does as well. And so I think those, like as you said, you know, breaking down different position groups along this offensive line, that's going to be the interesting battle for me heading into camp. Also look at left guard, John Simpson. You know, he's a guy that was pretty good in the run game but needs to work on it in the passing game. So, you know, what's that battle going to be like between him and a guy like Dylan Parham maybe? You know, he's a guy, again, a developmental pick but comes in with some good things to work with. Again, that versatility factor for him. Where does he fit into this battle along the offensive line?
1: Yeah, if you want to share your underrated storylines with Jesse and I, the number is 702-365-9200. We're hanging out with Jesse and Eddie Pascal here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And Jesse, when I was thinking last night, when I found out that you and I were going to be in the mix today and we were kind of going to kind of play off this underrated theme of, yeah, you know, all due respect to Darren and Chandler and DC, like they've had their moment in the sun. Let's talk about some guys a little lower on the roster. The one that came up to me, and and it's it's a storyline that I think we'll obviously see play out during camp, but one that I think is really going to kick into high gear once we get to the start of the preseason, is what do we see from these rookie running backs on the Raiders roster, right? What do we see from Zamir White? What do we see from Britton Brown? And I think that, I don't know if there's an expectation that both of these guys are going to step in day one and they're going to be productive members of the 53 or the 47 guys, 46 that that dress on game day, but... These are guys that I think are going to play a role in what we see in camp, in the preseason, and I think when all is said and done, when we're talking about the story of the 2022 season, these are two guys that are going to play a role in some way, shape, or form on that offense.
0: Yeah, they definitely will, and I think I look back to, and again, I always say this every time you and I talk about it, I hate bringing up the Patriots, but that's all we've got to go off of with this coaching staff. You look at it, they ran the ball at the third highest clip last year. Obviously, their pass catchers are a different group than what the Raiders have. Much more talent here in Vegas. So I don't expect them to run the ball at the third highest clip like that. I expect to see much more passing. Having said that, I think the Raiders will run the ball much more than I think people think. And also it'll be that running back by committee, much like we did see in New England over the years. And that's where I think a guy like Zamir White kind of breaks into it as well. You know, he's a guy that comes in with a lot of good chops, uh, a guy that can pass block very well. And that's a big thing for rookie running backs to be able to do that. He's also got an 87.5 PFF grade from his last season in college football. Uh, That's third amongst all SEC running backs. So that's uh, not too shabby to be able to grab a guy like him.
1: No, not at all. And I think that there was maybe a little surprise during draft weekend when you look at, you know, the, the skill position guys and that the Raiders ended up taking taking two running backs, but then you kind of step back. You take a deep breath and say, okay, let's look at this from a 12-month plan, excuse me, a 12-month plan, a 24-month plan. Yeah. Like, it does make sense to everything that you said. And, look, I don't think that there's any expectation that this is going to be Patriots West. I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to have their own imprint on this organization. And, heck, they've already put their own imprint on this organization in many ways. But I I think that— You look at what the Patriots have done. You look, and candidly, what a lot of teams in the NFL have done. I think we're getting away from kind of having that stereotypical, you know, prototypical big back that is going to be, you know, your guy for 17 weeks. You know, you look at Derrick Henry down in Tennessee, (laughs) certainly the exception to the rule, and there are not a lot of Derrick Henrys rolling around in the NFL. But I, I think you look at these two guys and you say, hey, you know, you're going to give – if one of these guys produces on a game day, right, if if he's part of the mix with, uh, you know, with Josh, with, with Brandon Bolden, like, okay – now you're going to have a bunch of fresh bodies, fresh legs, because you know you know as well as I do that when you get into the latter part of the season, when you get around the holidays, when you're playing football in December and ultimately hoping to play it into January, guys, especially at the running running back position, get worn down. So the more talented guys that you can have ready to go, the more talented guys that you can say, hey, we're going to give Josh a series off week seven. It's going to come back and really help us at the end of the season. That is a net positive for an offense as a whole.
0: Hundred percent. You know, I was just going up here looking up at with Josh Jacobs, you know, we obviously know over the years, he's, he's struggled at times, you know, to stay healthy, you know, and also just to continue at the pace that he has, you know, in certain times, because he has been that guy that's been relied upon heavily, you know, uh, no le- no less than 217 carries in a year for him in his career. He played 13 games last year and 15, the two previous seasons, you know, so having those guys that can come in and spell him like a Zamir white, who's got that fresh, you know, long young legs coming out of college you throw him in there with that, and that's only going to make Josh better. Because also, too, let's not forget, like, Josh is that dude. Like, he's 100%. one of the most elusive running backs in the NFL. You look at any ranking that any outlet puts out there about elusiveness, Josh is always in there, top three, top five. You know, he he, 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 I think people forget, you know, what kind of skill he has. So having guys in there that can come in and spell him and keep him fresh, I think is going to be massive and pay so much dividends for this team. So I think a guy like Zamir White, much more valuable than people give him credit for.
1: Now, let me ask you this, Jesse. Are we not talking enough about Josh Jacobs heading into twenty two or twenty twenty two? Because I mean, like to your point, I think people at times forget just how productive this guy has been, how productive he can be. Yeah. And, and you right, and it's a fair point that he hasn't he has not had issues at times staying on the field. But when this dude is out there, like you're gonna be hard pressed to find a more
0: talented, elusive, versatile running back than Josh Jacobs. True, 100%. I mean, look, when you, when you go back and, and look at it with what the Raiders have had offensively over the years, you know, when they talked about the big three at the time, it was Ruggs, Waller, and Josh Jacobs, you know, the opposing coaching staffs so That's what they would mention. Well, now all the talk is about what? The pass catchers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hey, wait a second. There's still this running back back here, you know, that has been killing it. You know, this is a guy that did go to a Pro Bowl. You know, he's an awesome player. And so he is a guy that I think a lot of people are sleeping on and could be a good surprise. I mean, again, you think about it with, you know, where the staff has been in previous years. They haven't had a guy, I think, that has his skill set, at least to that level. They've had talented players, but to have a guy like him that's been that number one running back consistently in his career, again, no the fact that he's had some issues staying on the field, but has proven he can be a top running back. Now you mix him in with those other guys, keep him fresh, much like he was in college. In college, that was the thing when he was coming out. He never had to be that lead dog, and look how effective he was there. Again, College of the NFL, we know it's much different. We're not trying to compare the two in that sense. But having said that, giving him a role similar to that, only going to pay dividends for him. And, and isn't it wild to think that we're talking about a guy,
1: and I think you're 100% right, where I think that you look at, at guys and you say, hey, this is, a, this is a dude who could be poised for a really, really big 2022, that one of those quote-unquote surprise guys could be a guy that went over 1,000 yards two of the past three seasons. Yeah. Right, so you look at Josh's numbers, 1150, uh, 1065 obviously 872 last year a little bit down but this is a guy who's got big play capability who has done it who's done it consistently uh and now we're saying like oh i think maybe he could be pretty good in 2022 and like that's that's <laughs>
0: funny to think about isn't it yeah no it really is and and that's as we noted the usage like he, like I said, he, he's carried the ball the least amount in his career 217 times in a year. That's, if you're able to cut that down to like 150, 180, and look, like you don't want to take the ball out of your playmaker's hands. Like, I, I'm not one of those guys. But having said that, at the running back position, we know, you know, the NFL, not for long, what it stands for. The average career for a running back is what? Like three years, is what they always say. So that's the thing where I think if you're able to spell him, that is huge. You know, because then you get him in those bursts. He's fresh late in the game. He's fresh at the in the red zone when you need a touchdown, not those field goals. Like when you need a touchdown and you're going to run it, boom, the guy has fresh legs and he can go in there and put his nose in there and try and run right through somebody into the end zone.
1: And, and let's not forget this either where – you know, I think the, the Raiders come into a unique position in 2022, where they're a team that went to the playoffs a year ago. And, and to be fair, that was a year ago, right? The 2021 Raiders are, are done. They are not coming back. That story is done. That chapter is finished in this organization's history. 2022 is here. But all the same, the 2022 Raiders are an immensely talented group. You look at the 2021 Raiders, they went to the playoffs, they brought, you know, they they essentially went down to the wire with the team that ended up representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, and now you can make the argument that they are bigger, faster, more well equipped to put up points, a better defense. So you look at them and you're saying, "Hey, This is a team that we expect to be playing meaningful football at the end of the year, right? I'm not going to be here, oh, they need to do this, they need to do that, they'll be in the mix for this or that. But this is a team that I think is fair to say we expect to be playing meaningful football in November, December, January. And what happens in November, December, January, Jesse? The weather gets nasty. Exactly. What do you need to be able to do when the conditions are not pristine, when Derek Carr is going to be battling winds
0: and rains and snow, You need to be able to run the football. Yeah, massive. Run the dang ball. That's all you want to do, you know, especially in times like that. And having a three, four, or five headed monster, whatever the heck it's going to be back there to be able to do it, is going to be massive. And again, also too, late in the year, after your O line has had a chance to gel, you know, we talked about them that position group is so much about compatibility and guys knowing what they're doing and having that continuity. So late in the year, you mix that in with having fresh legs back there in the backfield. Another guy we're not even talking about is Kenyon Drake. <laughs> like yeah. Another guy that showed you know, in spurts is a very explosive player. So I mean, just as much as there are a lot of weapons in the receiving core, you could say the same about this running back room as well. Throw in Brandon Bolden. And then again, you noted the fresh legs there with Zamir White coming out of college. I mean, there's four guys right there that have a lot of talent.
1: You know, and in terms of you know, kind of underrated dudes find under the radar. One guy that I'm excited to see, what does Josh McDaniels do with Jakob Johnson? Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, I know he's a fullback. He's going to make his money being a fantastic lead blocker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to have a mind, an offensive mind like Josh McDaniels back there on the sideline and having that familiarity with Jakob already, like, I wonder, I really wonder, and this is something we'll figure out in camp a little bit, but.
0: There's got to be a few Jakob Johnson uh, tricks up the sleeve, right? 100%. Look, I mean, think about it. We know that the fullback is kind of a dying position for Mm -hmm. many different teams. They went and got him specifically from their time with the familiarity with him. So they obviously love what he brings to the table. So it could be some wrinkles. Obviously, look, Alec Ingold was a great fullback, has a lot of versatility. I think he's going to have a good season out there in Miami. I'm excited to see what they're able to do with him uh, in that system, maybe a Kyle Juszczyk type of guy. Let's see what Jakob Johnson comes in and is able to do in this offense and how involved he is. Because as I noted, previous staff ran the ball at the third highest clip. So they're going to be using that, uh, that guy back there as a fullback multiple times throughout the game. And a fullback, as as they've shown in many different systems, can be so valuable. And and the thing is too, we're like we talk about what Jakob is going to bring to the
1: table and, and how he can be kind of a excuse me, a complementary piece to this offense as a whole. I think one thing that we're we're not fully you know, talking about yet or really have an idea of and that's no one's fault, just because we haven't seen camp yet, is I wonder what that perfect match is gonna be for a Josh McDaniel's offense in terms of running the ball, establishing, you know, who you wanna be at the line of scrimmage, while also understanding like, yo, I got some legit beasts on the outside. So it's a it's. I'm sure it's a great place for Joss to have to 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 be and exist, but I really wonder what that balance looks like. Like I said, between running the ball, being who you want to be up front and then also getting the DeVonte his touches and getting Waller his touches and making sure you don't forget about Renfro. Like it's going to be a really unique space for him to exist.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's so interesting about this season is like again, look, as you noted, they're coming off on this one the expectation is get to the playoffs and win in the playoffs, but There's so much unknown around this team, you know, with the new coaching staff of what exactly it's going to look like both offensively and defensively, which is exciting because like, look, we know this Raiders team is going to be good. I I do think they're going to be better than they were last year. But again, so much unknown of making sure everyone clicks and all this stuff and that people are willing and able to sacrifice, you know, the load that we've seen them get over the years. Obviously, Renfro, Devontae and Darren Waller are going to have to take a knock on some of their numbers. And I've told you this before. I don't think there's any three guys that you could look at to where you'd be like, oh, I don't know if they can handle taking less stats. You know, those guys I think are the most, uh, you you know, good guys in terms of like, all right, hey, look, this is for the team, team first type of guy, not me, you know. And so that's where I think you look at all the different elements that they have in this thing when you bring it in. And and that unknown is interesting, but exciting for what the potential has to be with all this stuff and to see how they're going to spread it around, what it's actually going to look like come game day. And that's just fun to watch. You know, and and
1: I'm glad you brought up the fact of of guys understanding like, hey, you know, especially if you're if you're a Devontae Adams, right? And Devontae has been great in kind of acknowledging the reasons for him coming to Las Vegas, right? He's been very clear about that. He's been very open about that, where this was a decision that, yeah, is is always going to be based in football and understanding you know, there's success here to be had. It's great to reunite with Derek Carr. But it's a decision that's bigger than football for him, right? And so I think that if you're going to say, hey, Devontae, you're going to go from catching this amount of passes to this amount of passes, he does not strike me as the kind of guy who's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, hold up. I'm one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I need to get my touches. I think Devontae's had so much success. He's, you know, both on a team level and on an individual level that he gets to come to this situation and be like, look, if me getting a few less looks is What's best for the team? I'm 100% okay with that
0: exactly, and that's one thing I think too. You know, we all saw the rankings from ESPN, you know, they went through all of them quarterback, running back, wide receiver, all those different things. And we saw Devontae was up there at the top. And you know, not that Twitter's the place for positivity, but everybody in the mentions of like, well, that was with Aaron Rodgers, duh, (laughs) like you know, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae has said this Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr are at two different points in their career, and I think both. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously would admit that but Derek Carr I think would admit that as well he's still chasing that greatness and so yeah look look at the other options that he had in Green Bay that's where I think this this argument of like oh he's going to see this drop off like of course he's going to (laughs) you know he's coming to an offense that has much more mouths to feed where it's not just going to be feeding him the ball over and over and over being that volume type scorer you know to steal something from the NBA there I think he's going to be a guy that still gets his numbers like at the end of the day, he's one of one of the best players in the NFL, let alone just receiver, one of the best players in the NFL. He's going to get his looks, but of course they're going to dip because look at how many other options the Raiders offense has. Yeah, and, and an embarrassment of riches
1: for the Raiders. Yeah. And, and if you're Devontae, you look around and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with this. This exactly. is a good situation for me. This is a good situation for my family at this point in my career. Yeah, let's just go win football games. So, Jesse Merrick and I have talked a lot about the underrated storylines on the offense. When we come back, we're going to talk underrated storylines. And like I said, if you want to get involved, call us up, 702-365-9200. You're hanging out with Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick. In for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. the brick show with today's guest hosts eddie pascal and jesse merrick
0: here's another different formation barnwell and branch to the left and allen will split to the right and it's branch for touchdown anthony washington the defender that was a quick move he made here yes sir much Plunkett. he sees him right now he says i got him right, right over there and drill it in there to cliff branch wide open
1: and there it is, some fantastic
0: Cliff Branch highlights. And, and how about
1: that, Jesse Merrick? We got the official uh, the region in there.
0: Yeah, how about that? Feels that feels good, man. Shout, good. Out, shout out to my guy Bobby one time. Yeah, go to the bullpen and bring us in and even greet us with that
1: nice little intro. I'm, I'm all about it. That is fantastic, man. Makes you feel good on a Thursday afternoon. And what's not to feel good about? Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM filling in for JT The Brick. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Vegas. I think we're going to get some rain, Jesse, which is good. Everyone tells me all the time how much we need the rain, and we are less than a week out from camp. So things are aligning here in the desert. It feels good to be back in the mix, getting warmed up for the start of training camp 2022. And speaking of training camp 2022, Shameless Pugler, Jesse, you and I are back for another year, the Raiders training camp podcast. How about that?
0: We are. I can't wait for that. It's, you know, training camp is always a good time because that's where everyone's coming in. You got all the different storylines. You get to see how guys emerge. And there's always the fun stuff with the players, you know, see a lot of their personalities start to come out as well. Uh, And this is going to be the first like real normal year for us without any COVID restrictions and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to all that. Stuff yes, well. it is going
1: to be it is going to be so much fun. So make sure that you uh, you like subscribe, turn on those notifications. So you get everything Merrick and Pascal throughout the start of training camp beginning as crazy as it sounds, man, beginning
0: next week. <laughs> Whew,
1: how about that?
0: That uh, off season that did not exist yeah, went which by one, real quick. Man?
1: Which one? I mean, you and I were talking in the break about how Yeah, I know the Raiders start everything a little a little bit earlier this year. And we will get back to our underrated storylines in a sec, I promise. But it, it's funny because you know, you just feel like, every year like oh man there are we're already going back to camp and yes the Raiders are starting a little bit earlier this year because they have a new coaching staff but you brought up a great point that the fact that the draft was here in Las Vegas just seemed like that sped up our offseason in a big way
0: i think it did cuz i mean you know we were also plugged in obviously you know we're covering the draft no matter where it is but when it's here you're so involved in it there's so much more prep work that goes into it all the shows the craziness of having everyone in town i mean that weekend was wild and then it finishes, and then boom, okay, <laughs> you know, we're ready for OTAs, we're diving on all that stuff, and then bam, now we're ready to roll with uh, training camp. It's, it's insane. Like you noted, how quickly it seems to go each and every year. This year, I think feels faster than it ever has been.
1: And the NFL does a really good job of making sure there really there really is no off season. But this year in particular, I know that is you know with the additional or, or the move up of training camp and yada yada yada. But it really feels like this little summer break has really not been much of a break at all. But I think it gave us all enough time to at least get out of town for a few days before we dive back into the started training camp 2022 in just a few days. But as I said, when we, when we kicked off the show, we were talking about underrated storylines, and that's kind of the theme that Jesse and I are, are rocking with today is we've talked about Derek Carr, we've talked about Darren Waller, we've talked about Max and Chandler, and for good reason. Today, as we get ready for camp, we go for underrated storylines. So if you guys want to get involved in the show, you know what the number is. It's area code 702-365-9200. Give our guy Bobby a call, and he will get you on the air with us. But Jesse, we talked about offense before the break, now we come back and we talk about underrated storylines in terms of the Raiders' 2022 defense. And see, this is one of the beauties about doing this live. As Jesse and I are in the Intermountain Healthcare Intermountain Healthcare Performance Studios, we see people that walk by, they wave to <laughs> us, and it is kind of nice, man. Where as we, as like I said, as we get closer to camp, the energy in this building changed, which is a lot of fun. So big shout out to uh, security Bob who just walked by and gave us a wave. But when we look at the defense, Jesse, one thing that really stands out to me is. We talk about Max. We talk about Chandler, right? These are guys that are going to get their numbers. They are going to eat. They are going to make life incredibly difficult for the opposing quarterback. Great. Fantastic. Who's that third guy, though? Who is the third one? Is it someone that comes from the interior of the line? Is it is it a, a Malcolm Kuntz type? When you look at guys that are going to contribute in a meaningful way to this defense in twenty twenty two, coming off a defensive line, who in your mind is that third that third edge rusher or yeah. interior rusher?
0: I think I think on the edge, I think you got to look to a guy like Malcolm Kuntz. I think he's going to benefit the most, you know, from the scheme changes bringing in Patrick Graham. You know, he's a guy that I think is better suited as that kind of stand up edge rusher, and I think we're really going to see his skills develop. Another guy, again. We talk about it with Leatherwood and all rookies. That jump from year one to year two is always so massive. When you talk to talent evaluators, they learn so much. It's no longer how the heck do I figure out how to be a pro? <laughs> you know, I don't have to go to class anymore. Football is my life. You know, how do I structure that? How do I eat? All these different things. So now he comes in and is able to hit the ground running. Obviously, learning a new scheme is not easy for anyone, but he just went through that last year. So you kind of lay down that framework of being able to, you know, pick that up quickly and having guys like Max, and uh, you know, also you know, multiple guys along this offensive line. Chandler Jones, who has the sacks that he has, the pedigree that you know, doesn't need to be talked about. We know what kind of guy he is. To be able to learn from them is massive. For me, though, I am real curious to see Bilal Nichols. You know, that's a guy you know comes in with some hype you know, in free agency over from the Bears. I- I'm curious to see how he fits into this scheme and what he's able to do with this opportunity now.
1: Yeah, I think, and Bilal's a guy that you've brought up a couple times just kind of as we've talked throughout the offseason and since he signed in free agency. And, and a guy that, yes, certainly I'm excited to see, and, and I think that he's a dude, yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do, it's kind of hard to gauge, get a gauge of the big guys until they're actually, you know, thudding up, going, you know, putting pad to pad or in, in training camp, and especially in the preseason. But I, I think you, you brought up Malcolm Kuntz, and, and Malcolm is a guy that is incredibly intriguing to me for a variety of reasons. And you and I were talking earlier this offseason about – the benefit of having a redshirt season, essentially, for some guys. And Malcolm didn't have a full redshirt season. He appeared in five games, two yeah. sacks. But he had a chance to sit back, to really kind of observe, to kind of get uh, get to a place where he has a much better understanding of expectations of life in the NFL. And I think that he is a dude that is poised to have a really nice step forward, in 2022. And I think he's in a fantastic position because I think you look at a lot of edge rushers and the expectation he's going to come in and he's going to have six sacks, seven sacks, double-digit sacks, X amount of pressures. There's really no expectation, I mean that in a good way, attached to him this year because you do have a Max Crosby, because you do have a Chandler Jones. I mean, if you get five quality sacks and reps, you know, quality reps for 17 weeks from Malcolm Coons, that's a win. Oh. That is a thumbs up season for the young guy.
0: Yeah, that's massive for him. You know, like you said, come in and just hey, show us what you show us what you can do, young Buck. I mean, that's really all it takes, yeah. you know, for him. And that's got to be a freeing, you know, ability to be able to come in there and do that. Yeah, that's got to be exciting for him, you know. And just also again, as we look to try and figure out who this third pass rusher is really going to be, if we keep it on the edge, you know, that's that's the thing is like. This is your opportunity, man. You can solidify yourself as that dude, you know, in the NFL. And so that's where I'm excited to see just the different tools that he does bring to the table. You know, he was known for that spin move, I believe, coming out of college, you know, and the speed off of the edge there. That's the thing where it's like, all right, if you can put your hand in the dirt, well, he he won't be putting his hand in the dirt, stand up and come off the edge and just, boom, show us that burst. Especially in this league or in this division where they're going to be throwing the ball like crazy with these quarterbacks. I mean, he's got to be licking his chops. Obviously, are some good quarterbacks, but to be able to have the opportunity to go after these guys, he's got to be so excited.
1: And I think when you look at Malcolm's 2021, you look at his rookie season, I think the biggest kind of you know feather in his cap is that this is a guy who did only play five games, right? He played five games. He's got two sacks, but he's a guy that enters 2022 as a dude that people are excited to see play football. Like, I imagine it's a pretty short list of folks that played in only a handful of games the year previous, you know, unless they were injured and coming back in that type of capacity. But a guy who didn't play a whole heck of a lot of football in 2021 that you're like, I'm excited to see what he's got in 2022.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that, that's very rare, you yeah. know? And, and there, there are a couple of those guys on this team, you know, from that rookie class uh, to where you see, because look, this new coaching staff is putting their fingerprints on this roster. But- there's still guys that were, you know, drafted by the previous regime that have talent and have shown those flashes. And he is definitely one of them. You know, you can see it. It jumps off the page right away, just that speed, that burst. Uh, for me, you know, I'm curious. As you noted, it's tough with a lot of the bigger guys until we see them in person. You know, you get like I feel like they always have the most dramatic transformations, you know, in terms of the off season when they come back. You're like, wow, this guy really slimmed down, or this guy just looks like a beast. He packed on 10, 15, 20, however many pounds and you can just see it even more so. And that's where, like, I love to see that and just get a gauge on them. Like, for me, when training camp comes around, I'm always looking at the edge rushers and the receivers just to see, like, their bodies, what they look like, how they built themselves up in the offseason. So with Malcolm Coons that's something I'm really excited to see and also underrated to see if he can beat Max or Chandler Jones in the races, you know, the different yes. drills and stuff like that because that is a big thing at camp and practice.
1: Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that sets the tone, right? And yeah. I think if you're, if you're a Malcolm and we were talking about the expectations attached to him in 2022 where you don't need to be Max Crosby. You don't. You don't need to be Chandler Jones. But if you want to, you know, if that's kind of the trajectory, and I think that's the trajectory for all these guys, that they want to be the next Player X, right? I want to be the next Von Miller. I want to be the next Jerry Rice. I want to be the next Devontae Adams. And I think so much of that starts... On the practice field, it starts with the habits that you that you show every single day to your teammates, to the equipment guys, to the coaching staff, to the front office. That's where it really begins. So to your point, and I know it's something that that's kind of fun, and, and I know that the fans in particular love seeing those photos on Raider Social of who's winning those races. Like, don't sleep on the fact that if you if we get two weeks into camp and you see Malcolm Kuntz's face in those photos, that is a good thing. And that means something.
0: Huge thing, because, again, that's where you set the tone. And like also like this is just a really quality, like good group, you know, and like it's easy to say that. But like, honestly, you got a guy like Max and Chandler Jones, two guys that like genuinely want to play with each other. You know, Chandler Jones very, made it very clear like there is a, a bromance, you know, from the start between these two guys. And so coming in, in into this one with both of them, I mean, we obviously saw, you know, how much he and Unique got along. I think that's going to be taken to the next level with him. And just guys that have so much knowledge and joy for the game that that bleeds through. Because look, at the end of the day, no matter what you do, if you love your job, it's still your job, you know, but these guys very clearly love it and have that intensity that not many guys have in terms of, you know, focusing on those little details where they want to win in the races to the next drill or when they're stretching or who can jump the highest between Max and Derek Carr, you know, when they're doing stuff. So, like those are the little things you watch and you get to even just see that competitiveness come out before we get there. And and again, as you noted, it's not the most exciting thing in the world to maybe some people outside of the organization. But when you see it, you know, throughout camp, through that month there and those dog days when you're tired, you've been going through two days, all these different things. It's that's hot. Exactly. It's very hot out here in <laughs> Vegas. Man, but that's where you, you know, you see those differences in the mindset, you know, from these guys of like, you know, they continue to push. And and look. I know it's cheesy, but, like, those are the things that do show up in the fourth quarter of games, you know? And that's where I think it's important for a young guy – to learn and have those guys like that to be an example to him.
1: And, and here's a question I have for you because I think you brought up a, a bunch of really good points. And and one that that I kind of just made made a mental note of is we talked about how or you talked about how good that relationship was between Max and Yannick a year ago, right? And I think the expectation going into this year is that that exit, excuse me, that relationship is, is even better between Chandler and Max. Guys that have made it abundantly clear that they're very fond of each other off the field. They were looking for an opportunity to play together on the field, and we're all hoping that that bears out in really incredible in an incredible way in 2022. My question for you is this. We've made such a big deal, and I think for good reason, about that relationship between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, right? There has to be that kind of innate, unspoken connection between quarterback and wide receiver. Do you think... In, in a different way, is that important between two edge brushers? Because essentially, you kind of live in your own world. Yes, you kind of bounce off of each other in some way. And if and if Max succeeds, that's 100% good for Chandler and vice versa. But it seems to be like a different kind of on the field relationship a little bit,
0: right? I would say so. You know, I mean, again, it's not the same in the sense of like, you know, you have to know the way they're going to run their route so you can throw the ball correctly yeah. to them and place it and things like that. But I, I think Having that relationship and being intertwined is massive when you are planning schemes and stuff like that and, and moving around. And, you know, look, maybe there's a world where we see both of them on the same side of the ball when they're moving guys around on defense. I don't think it's going to happen a lot, but it can happen. And having that continuity is massive. But just simply having that relationship is huge when you have two guys like these guys that are, you know, if Max continues on this tra- trajectory, could be in the same kind of conversation as a Chandler Jones, which, again, is, is saying a lot. Like, I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse here, but Max is obviously Looked great if he can continue on that trajectory. And so, learning from a guy like him, having that battle back and forth is massive. You know, the old quote, you know, iron sharpens iron. And and, and so, having that, but also someone that you like and enjoy working with, you can have that healthy competition. And that I think makes a massive difference, you know, no matter what position it is. But specifically at edge rushers, too, look around the league, you know, teams are trying to pair together good edge, edge rushers. Like, yeah obviously because having two really good pass rushers in today's nfl is massive but having said that like having guys that can come off the edge and do that you know that just permeates through the rest of the defense
1: i mean you look in the division too i mean that seems to be the the flavor in the afc west and and, you know you look at at, and you brought up earlier how much teams especially in this division are going to throw the ball for good reason because Mm -hmm. you have stud quarterbacks you have stacked wide receiving cores and if you defensively want to make a difference if you want to impact the game you're going to have to figure out a way to get after the quarterback and so you look at our old friend Khalil Mack now in Los Angeles paired with Joey Bosa like it 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 kind of feels like having one really good edge rusher just is cool but you can't you need more than that
0: right you definitely do you know especially with the clip and the way that teams throw the ball in the NFL Mm -hmm. now and also too I mean it, not only just needing one more you need those guys in the stable to be able to pull up and say "Hey, okay here's our next wave of guys i mean you know gus bradley you know made that very popular within this group last year of saying we're going to send waves of people and i think that continues with patrick graham that's where i think of the development like a guy you know like malcolm coots is massive for this team simply because you need to be able to have those fresh bodies we know max has a tank that doesn't empty but To be able to throw fresh legs out there, again, much like we talked with the running backs as well, is massive late in the game because the O-line doesn't get subbed out like that.
1: Yeah, and, and look... Having a fresh Max Crosby at the in the fourth quarter, having a fresh Max Ooh. Crosby in November, December, January, that is really, really important. And I know that we talked about, oh, we're not going to talk about Max and Chandler; those guys. We're going to talk about the under the radar guys. Uh, but it's kind of hard not to. It know, is, when yeah. you get to when you get to this point of the calendar. But hey, Jesse, when we come back, we talked about underrated storylines on the defense, and there's we talked specifically about the defensive line. But there's another guy that when we get back, I want to talk about a guy in the secondary that had a really nice 2021, but I don't think we have talked about enough headed into 2022. So when we get back jesse jesse excuse me jesse pascal my goodness eddie pascal and jesse merrick we're going to talk about that on raider nation radio 9:20 a.m JT the Brick Show with today's guest hosts Eddie Pascal
0: and Jesse Marek. Went to see the Oakland Raiders. It was a it was a blizzard of a storm my senior year, and we went to the game. Sat in the stands and saw the Oakland Raider put on put on fifty points on the Denver Broncos with this prolific passing attack. Of Raymond Chester, Warren Wells, and Fred Belenica. I like, holy Jesus. All I was thinking of the Kansas City Chiefs, and when I got to see the Oakland Raiders put on 50 points my senior year, the following week after we, I saw Kansas City in the snow, Darryl LaMonica throwing the ball all over the fields to Warren Wells, Fred Belenica, and Raymond Chester. I said, holy Jesus. <laughs> and that's how I finally got a first aware
1: of the Oakland Raiders. Hey, man, a big shout-out to my guy, Bobby Killing It, on the audio today on the on the, uh, on the returns, Jesse. Fantastic stuff from him. That was pretty great. Holy Jesus. Holy Jesus. <laughs> well, hey, it is not JT the Brick. He is. you he heard the voice of God said. It's Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick hanging out with you until 2 o'clock. In for our guy, JT, and we're talking about all things underrated, things that are flying under the radar for your 2022 Las Vegas Raiders as we get ready for the start of training camp in less than a week. And Jesse, before we left, we were talking about underrated storylines on the defensive line. We were talking about guys, whether it's it's a Malcolm Koontz or or someone else, a Bilal Nichols, that we think are poised to have a really big year. But there is another guy that I think that we have not talked enough about over the past couple months, a guy that had a really, really good 20. 2021, a guy that I think is poised to take a next, the next big, really tangible step in 2022. And that is Nate Hobbs. Yeah, no, and, I... and I think that what Nate Hobbs brings to the table, Jesse Merrick from News 3LV here in Las Vegas, is I think he brings versatility. And we saw him be able to play on the inside. We, we saw him, you know, really thrive in that slot position, in that nickel cornerback position. But I think he's a guy that if push comes to shove, you can put him outside. But he's a dude that I think we are going to be circling in our training camp notebooks a lot over the next couple of weeks.
0: I'd imagine so. You know, I think in a perfect world, you know, for the Raiders, you've got uh, Rocky Seen and Trayvon Mullen on the outside, you know, with, uh, you know, Nate Hobbs and then also Anthony Avery you know, locking down in the slot there. I think that would be, you know, a perfect world for them, uh, you know, it, it, when they've got that dime package out there. Having said that, he is that guy that does have versatility and has shown that he can do multiple things. For me, one of the things that I love the most about his game is when he's been used as a blitzer. You know, that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about him, you know, having that ability to come off the edge and go get the quarterback. And that's something I think Patrick Graham maybe uh, will look to take advantage of from time to time. No, that's not going to say, you know, it's going to happen every single game, all this stuff, you know, because, again, at the end of the day, he's a corner. But he has that ability, that explosiveness coming off the edge to come in there and make a play in, in the game in that sense. And also, too, like, let's not forget... You know, underrated because I think a lot of people aren't talking about him because, you know, the whole national storyline, you know, about the Raiders and the secondaries, that there's no veteran presence. Like, oh, you know, how are they going to be? This is a weak link for this team, you know. Uh, Not talking about the fact that Trayvon Mullen was a guy, when healthy, was playing good football. Rocky Seen, a guy that has played some good football over his career. Anthony Averett, a guy that, you know, we'll talk about in a few minutes here, has played some really good football and has turned a lot of attention, uh, you know, caught a lot of attention over his career, you know. And so that's where I think people forget that at one point Nate Hobbs was playing as one of, if not the best slot corners in the NFL during his rookie season last year.
1: Yeah, and I think, and I do want to get back to Anthony Averitt in just a second because we are talking about kind of under-the-radar guys and guys that maybe maybe necessarily aren't getting the type of shine that they deserve as we get ready for camp. But I think that you brought up two fantastic points. One, if you look at all of the the end-of-the-year lists, right, and I think that the lists have a purpose, they provide great fodder for conversation, sometimes nothing else. But if you look at those lists, by, I would say, Nate Hobbs is on 90 to 95% of them. He is a guy that had a really solid rookie year. And at times, it, it, it kind of felt like, you know, perhaps the the big flashy plays weren't there. And that's okay. And they will come. But there were moments where like, oh, oh, this is a dude, like this is a guy who's out there mixing it up with some of the best wide receivers in the game. So I think that you look at Nate, and I think that from people that know more football than you and, than you and I, mm-hmm. there is a respect for what he did as a rookie, as a rookie who candidly is a rookie that I didn't think was going to have that type of of production as, as a young guy in, uh, in in the Raiders defense in 2021. So I think that there's a respect for what he is going to do. There's respect for what he has done. And I think there's a lot of excitement for what he can be in 2022. But the other guy that you brought up, a guy that is 100% not getting enough attention is Trayvon Mullen. And yes, I know that he's coming off of injury, and I know that 2021 was not a perfect example of who he can be and what he can bring to the table. But when he is right, when he is locked in, when he is healthy and on the field, I mean, you're going to be hard pressed to find a better, or a more quality corner in the AFC West. And, and I know that at, at times the consistency hasn't been there, but if we're looking at pure talent as a guy who, or, or a guy that can just do what he needs to do on the outside, I mean, Trayvon is a hundred percent in that mix
0: in that conversation. I think so too. And you look at him, you know, again, <clears throat> injuries aside, you know, he was a guy arrow was trending up, you know, 100%. each and every, year for him he was getting better and better as a player so that's where you know I think the big thing with him is now you wonder okay you you had that you know that hurdle the injuries all that stuff how do you come back from that in a new scheme as well where now you have to kind of prove yourself all over again but I I like the pieces that are around him uh, as well I think it's a lot of complimentary pieces when you look at this I mean you bring a guy like Rocky in who's a bigger you know stronger you know more physical type player and then you've obviously got Nate Hobbs where we've talked about him and and the simple fact of like how important that slot corner role has become in the NFL and for the Raiders to have a guy there that they know can play that position and they don't have to think about it, coaching staff doesn't have to worry about it, that is massive. Then you bring in Anthony Averett, who's one of the better man corners in the NFL that I think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about, you know, also has a lot of tools to bring, uh, you know, some su- su- success for him. And so, uh, you know, for Mullen, just a matter of all right, now establish yourself as that top dog too because there is going to be competition, you know, for these roles. Anthony Averett wants to come in. He's on a 1-year deal. He's trying to settle himself up and get paid. He's 27 years old. You know, the time is now for him to get that big bounty payday before he turns 30. So, he's looking to have a massive season. So, you know he's going to be pushing the competition factor as well.
1: Yeah, I mean Anthony Averett, a guy who's played a lot of quality football. I mean, he's coming off of a 2021 year where he plays, excuse me, plays in 14 games, makes 14 starts. A guy that is like, you know, perhaps not a household name to a lot of us here on the West Coast, but a dude who was brought in here for a reason. And to your point, a guy that is coming in here, not only to compete and be like, hey, I want to be a good death piece. Like, no, I want to come in here and I want to earn reps in this defense. And I want to be a guy that is out there you know a high percentage of time, week in and week out.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's you, you mentioned those lists. You know, PFF ranks him as their tenth best man coverage in the NFL and the entire NFL. And this is a guy that the Raiders managed to grab. You know, with that one year deal, I believe it's four million. If I remember right, four or six million. I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh, you know, bringing a guy like him in here, who was able to fill in. You know, for Marcus Peters when he got hurt with the Raiders or with the Ravens. You know, look, he, he wasn't facing a lot of number one receivers because Marlon Humphrey is their number one guy. But having said that, he was solid, you know, when he did get that opportunity. They graded him out at 71.6, you know, for his PFF grade. And that's legit. I mean, so we'll see. I I am curious how much Patrick Graham uses him in press man, you know, with the scheme that he's going to employ. Having said that. I think a guy that's got those kind of skills in press man, you're going to want to get him in that position where he's most successful more often than not.
1: You know, and you don't want to put any unrealistic unrealistic expectations on anyone, but you know, let's think back to 12 months ago, I guess maybe 13 months ago now, Jesse, but you look at at an underrated defensive back signing that the Raiders made in the offseason, Casey Hayward Jr., yeah. something that I think is fair to say kind of, you know, flew under the radar and I think there was a natural kind of like, "Oh, yeah, he's, I remember him. He's good. This is a quality player. But certainly not a signing that got the, the pomp and circumstance and the, the jubilation of Raider Nation as a whole. But then you look back to last year, and there is a very legitimate argument that Casey Haber Jr. was the best defensive back on your 2021 Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm not saying that that's going to be the case for Anthony Avern in 2022. But all my point is this, that just because these signings are not the ones that are huge, blown out of the water, that are getting all this love on NFL Network, these are important ones. So, before we get out of here, Jesse, we have talked about, before we get into Hour 2, we have talked about underrated signings uh, on offense and defense, and we come back, one guess what we're talking about? Special Special teams. You know it. (laughs) Eddie Pascal, Jesse Merrick, in for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.